0: The illustration on the front and on the back of your bulletins are part of a series by Maria Chiara di Giorgia for a children's book by Cristina Bellamo entitled Due Ali, or Two Wings. Because it's written in Italian, not the language I know well, when I was introduced to the artwork I imagined the story the way I would have as a child, by reading the pictures. It goes like this. There once lived a man who secretly dreamed that he might one day have wings to fly. Each morning, he and his cat sat at his kitchen window as they gazed at the birds resting on their front tree, his cat pining to catch one and the man pining to become like one. One day, while the man was rescuing a newly discarded feather to add to his beloved collection, he discovered a pair of wings growing beneath the tree. He looked around. Who could have left such a gift? He began asking his neighbors. He went to the post office. Who sent him these wings to fly? the people in the town began giving him sideways glances. Really, wings to fly? The man returned home and held on to his secret dream. Each day, he watered the tree, looked around to see whether anyone was watching, and carefully inspected the wings. He was sure they were growing just his size. His cat, the only witness to this incredible scene, watched with delight as the man tried on the wings, was lifted up by a gust of wind, and indeed began to fly. And the cat became the keeper of the story. I had a bird once. He was bigger than you and me. These images have been with me in my dreaming of Paul's community and of the ancient Israelites given voice by the psalmist. A man who grew wings to fly, and a cat who bore witness. The levity of it, the unlikeliness of it, the fumbling, bumbling around of it. Still, following a dream of the inmost being, and discovering it's not for nothing. Give praise, give praise, my soul. Or, as some would translate it, give praise, give praise, my inmost being. Our psalm speaks to a community who have known lament, the fall of their kingdom, exile in Babylon, and are now returning and rebuilding their temple. All these years, They kept dreaming, they kept hoping, and it was not for nothing. Praise and gratitude is on their lips as they celebrate the goodness and care of God and their new beginning. Their trust was not betrayed. Unlike the rulers of the world they they have known, Yahweh is just, uplifts those in need, and loves the righteous. The image I have of Paul's sensibility of his inmost being is righteous. And by righteous, I'm not referring to self-righteousness, although some might think that of Paul. I mean being committed to live an honorable life. Before his eye-opening experience on the road to Damascus, his fervent zeal was about trying to lead a righteous life. As a keeper of this story, one of the traps I've been trying to avoid as I've been revisiting Paul's letter to the Galatians is not to play into the notion that the law, often translated by Christians to mean Judaism, is corrupt. I am of the ilk that believes that Paul did not convert but was still understood by himself to be a Jew who received a call as prophets before him did to challenge and to bring a a word of comfort from God. And that being a follower of Jesus was not to cast off being Jewish. As a scholar of Paul's letters, Beverly Roberts Gaventa writes, in an age that valued especially those things that were ancient, Paul's ardent desire to promote the traditions of my ancestors indicates that he was vigorously pursuing an honorable life, what he and his people regarded as right and proper. Our reading from Galatians picks up with Paul responding to accusations made by other Christian Jewish missionaries who are concerned that Paul is serving the Gentiles gospel light, a watered-down version, by not teaching them the importance of the law, which is contrary to their tradition's understanding and what had been Paul's understanding of a righteous life. They questioned the divine origin of his call. There are those who think Paul was being less than honest— about the gospel in order to boost his church membership numbers. Another interpretation is that Paul took seriously that his mission was to the Gentiles, and that when the scales fell from his eyes, he was able to see them already as part of God's covenantal community, even without their adherence to purity codes. As with the ancient Israelites before them, They are a part of a community that not only has faith in God, but God has faith in them and will be with them, even when they are scattered across the land, when they are on the margins of life, when they don't feel strong. They too are implanted with the image of God, which is made known as they work for justice, as they hold oppressors accountable, as they share kindness. In his tradition, to question his prophetic voice would be to question the voice of God through him and to question the image of God in the Gentile people. Paul didn't have to give up being righteous. He could bless his need to live an honorable life but allow it to look differently. Righteousness that allows God's love to break through the bounds religion sets on them. In an interview with Pico Iyer, journalist, novelist, and friend of the Dalai Lama, he talks about the difference between spirituality and religion. Spirituality, he says, is the story of our passionate affair we have with the deepest part of ourselves. It's the story of our passionate affair we have with the deepest part of ourselves. The candle that always flickers and sometimes seems to almost go out and sometimes blazes. And religion, religion is the community, the framework, the tradition, all the other people into which we bring that which we find in solitude. Religion is the framework. He continues by saying, the Dalai Lama often speaks of religion as tea, as opposed to water. The most important thing we need in order to survive, according to the Dalai Lama, is kindness. Kindness is water. Religion is like tea. It's a great luxury. It increases the savory of life. It's wonderful if you have it. But you can survive without tea. You can't survive without water. So every day, kindness and responsibility is the starting block for every life. It's an important reminder, Pico Iyer says, to ground ourselves in the people around us. before we think of our texts and of our notions of the absolute. Paul could probably have used an additional lesson on this account to soften his vitriol against the community out of which he arose. He may be welcoming and kind to the Galatians in this moment, but his tongue has turned sharp against his own traditionalists. We do that. It's one of the first lessons in anthropology classes. We learn of another people, another culture. We see beauty there. And we begin tearing apart our own. Maybe that's the sharp edge of an inherited sense of righteousness. And part of the honey, the goodness, is the passion. Passion to want to live an honorable life passion to stand up for those who are hurting or on the outside, there is a lot of love and kindness there. A call from the inmost being that honors our dreaming and our hoping and that believes it's not for nothing. Amen.